have your Bibles, I want to turn to 2 Chronicles 7, 11 to 14. I was sitting there and I was kind of thinking, Lord, you kind of have a, a good sense of humor because the Lord was uh, speaking to me today or for this Sunday about revival. And I'm thinking like, yeah, right. Yeah, this is good. That, you know, we just had a further restriction so we even have less people that I actually can see. And I'm trusting that the rest of you are online and uh, that you can see me, but I can't see you. I wish there was something that I could put a big board and uh, look at all the people that are watching. Uh, that would be helpful. Uh, but so I just have to imagine that there's this huge, huge crowd out there that's watching us online. Uh, but that's what I felt to speak about today. Do we need a revival? And Second uh, Chronicles 7, 11 to 14, very common scriptures that lots of people like to use as they talk about revival. And so I'd like to use that same portion of scripture as well. And it says, so Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night, the Lord appeared to King Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and I've chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and restore their land. Lord, may you add your blessing to your word here today. As I said at the beginning, it's kind of interesting how God can lay things in your heart and then in the natural, you're kind of looking, yeah, like this is great. Let's talk about revival when we've got so many people that are at home or not able to be at church and kind of wonder like, are you crazy? Well, I don't think I am crazy. I think this is what God wants to talk about. Over these last few weeks, I've been reading some books and articles on revival, which if you haven't figured that out, it's a passion of mine, it's a desire of mine. I really do want to see a revival to touch our land, and I continue to pray for this church and this area, and also for our nation, that God would touch our nation once again. And uh, the word revive, it means to bring back to life. And when you refer that to a spiritual sense, it's just, it's just simply uh, referring to bringing people back to spiritual life. And that, that affects people that have no faith, that all of a sudden they do have faith. And uh, usually when they come to faith, it's usually in a very powerful and a sudden way. And even for Christians, where their faith and maybe their zeal for God has, has kind of waned, that God restores that, and there's a fresh desire and a renewed desire for the things of God. And we're praying for that. We're believing for that. There'd be a stirring that would start to take place. And I, I believe that stirring is already starting to take place in our nation, which is causing people to search out God. There's people that are watching today on the internet, and you may have just tuned on in the internet. You may not have even heard of our church before, but you've joined in or you just connected. And that, you know what? That's because there's a stirring inside of you. That's what cause, a stirring causes you to do. Now, a major part of that stirring and revival is a recognition that there is a God. And that as you recognize that there is a God, that you'll also recognize that you're far from God. 
and that you need to do something about that condition, that you need to do something, get right with God, like repentance and a new desire and a passion to serve God. You know, revivals throughout history are actually very common, and they're very helpful for actually correcting issues in society when society gets out of balance. And, uh, of course, revivals are also good for churches because, well, churches grow, right? Many more people start coming uh, to churches and and responding uh, to the church. Uh, I like reading of one story uh, of the Hebrew Hebrews revival in Scotland where they're having a prayer meeting and, and they're praying that God be revived. And then suddenly a person runs into the church and says, Pastor, Pastor, your prayers have been answered. They're all outside. And there was a crowd so huge that came running to the church because they wanted to get right with God that they were too large to come inside the church. And so they had to go out and minister to the outside the church. But I was also reminded of revivals when I was reading some uh, stories in a, in, a, in a book about revival. But then the one that really touched me was a simple uh, article in a magazine. It's called Faith Today magazine, a Canadian uh, uh, production uh, that, that's given out. And the article was written by a man named Kevin Flatt. And he spoke about a revival that happened in the city of Hamilton, Ontario in 1857. And that revival affected the city, not just in a spiritual sense and brought people, you know, uh, to God and people back to the churches, but it also changed the community and how how people thought and their behaviors. It it tells us that through this revival that people began to change their behaviors by choosing not to allow stigmas of gender, race, social class to stop them from reacting with one another and responding with one another. And so of all races and people and cultures, they just started coming together and just started seeking God. And they weren't worried about all those things that sometimes can cause divisions. And many social issues that they were facing got corrected because of that revival. And as we look at our own world today, we we see there's lots of social issues that, again, are dividing even us as Canadians with our racial tensions, political unrest, economic hardships, uh, things of entitlement. And then, of course, we have this pressure of COVID that's affecting everybody. Uh, For some of us, it's uh, an inconvenience. For others, it's become a sickness. For others, it's caused a great havoc in their finances. Others have uh, gotten depressed, discouraged, and there's been those that have died from this as well. And of course, fear is a big thing out there. And it's kind of interesting as you look at revivals in history that revivals often happen during difficult times or right after a difficult time like we're in today. For example, this uh, revival in Hamilton came in 1857. Well, in the 1850s, there was a deadly cholera epidemic that affected the city for years. And just like we're experienced with COVID, it's it's not a one-time strike. It can strike many times. And that city was experiencing this through the 1950s and right up through uh, these years to the 57. Uh, There's also a a disaster in their city where a bridge collapsed and uh, there was over uh, 59 people that were killed by that. There was then a stock market crash and a global recession, all causing panic and fear 
in the city. I kind of got reading that and said, well, well, that pretty much describes what's going on today, right now. And so I checked into that history a little bit more in this cholera epidemic, and to find that they, what they experienced was very similar to us and what is happening with us in our COVID situation. And uh, this cholera epidemic, uh, like COVID, it didn't just hit once. It hit many times throughout the years. Uh, it started first time was 1832. Came back in 1834. Then again, 1849. Again in 51, 52, 54. And it tells us that it swept the nation of Canada and 20,000 lives died because of cholera. And uh, I was looking at what's the population of Canada back then. It was about 2 million people. So that, so that would mean in today's uh, world, if we looked at Edmonton and Calgary, that 20,000 people died from this cholera. So far more serious, really, than what uh, we've been experiencing here in Canada right now. So it was interesting to see at that time, there were health measures to help stop the spread. Uh, there was quarantines. Uh, there were some restrictions. And it was interesting to see that at a number of times, the police had to be called to enforce quarantines. And because, you know, we don't like restrictions, we don't like being told what to do, there was also riots. There was also anger against the government. There was even some burning down of the quarantine hospitals that they established to try, you know, to try to stay on top of this. And as I read all that, I kind of thought, well, wow, isn't that really kind of top boat? We haven't really changed that much, have we? And then it caused me to look at other outbreaks in Canada. Just out of curiosity, I kind of thought, well, I wonder, is that a normal response that every time there's a crisis that takes place? And I kind of found that uh, actually, yes, it is. And uh, if you go a few more years ahead to 1885, there was a smallpox crisis. And in particular was Montreal. And it tells us that in 1885 that uh, in Montreal alone, 6,000 people died because of smallpox. Now, interesting, as I read another article, it said that only 3,200 people died. And I said, there you go. People can't get their numbers straight back then. Same thing today. We can't get our numbers straight. And then when it comes to a vaccine, I found this so very interesting. They offered the vaccine to Montreal. And you know what? The people didn't want it because they recognized it's developed by the English. And they were not going to trust the English to give a vaccine. And so, you know, conspiracy theories, uh, you know, are aloof. And kind of looking at that today, yeah, well, we got those as well. And home remedies, they actually had a home remedy as well. And one of those remedies was uh, smudging. And they all put pots out and... Uh, I'm not sure if it was Montreal or Quebec, which city it was. And they put out these smud pots. Everybody did that. And there's this beautiful artist portrayal of this picture showing this guy extremely black because they thought that was going to stop cholera by just making a whole bunch of smoke. And so home remedies abound during these times as well. But as you look at this kind of background that was happening well, that's kind of the background that was taking place when this revival came upon the city of Hamilton. And you know, what we need to realize is that many times, not always, but many times, revivals 
can take place after tragic events, which gives me the hope to believe that after COVID, that we can dream that something's going to take place, something good is going to take place. And I'm believing for a revival. It's also interesting that back in the 1850s, to, to look at how were the churches doing back then. And as we look at the evangelical Christians at that time, we, we see that they were realizing that there was the complacency that had come into the church. And they're recognizing that the spiritual fire was leaving their churches. People weren't excited about God as they used to be. People weren't fervent about the things of God as they used to be. And especially as they look back to the days of John Wesley and George Whitfield, some of the revivalists of that day. And so it was with this sense of lukewarmness in the church. And then in this crisis that cholera brought that they observed in the church that some people started to recognize, you know what, we need God. We need God. And I'm really praying that through even this COVID thing. And I am seeing that. I'm getting lots of people talk with me. And they're talking about, you know what? Tell me more about God. I need to know about God. So this crisis actually is causing people to start thinking about God in their lives. And what happened was some Christians started seeking the Lord for more. And soon God began to raise up people with a new burden and a passion for the things of God. And one of those people that God raised up, I think just to mess with society, he raised up a woman. Back in the 1800s, you know, a lot of the women, they didn't want to be in any leadership roles and the governments were keeping ladies and uh, uh, from that. And so what does God do? He raises up a woman. And she, along with her husband, Walter, became leaders in a renewal movement in the Methodist church. And she preached about the importance of holy living, single-minded devotion to God, evangelism, and reaching out by charitable works in the community. She even wrote a book that was very influential at that time. It was called The Way of Holiness. And God used this lady to preach the gospel in the United States, in Canada, and in Britain. And on one of those occasions in October 1857, in Georgetown, Ontario, where she was called to speak at a camp meeting. She spoke at the camp meeting. It's interesting that there's nothing told about how that camp meeting went. But as she was returning to New York, she was going through Hamilton, Ontario, by train, where she was delayed because of baggage issues. And so she had to stay in Hamilton for a few days, obviously waiting for her luggage to catch up with her. And from there, some pastors heard that she was there, and they quickly invited her to speak at a prayer meeting. Interesting, in uh, this prayer meeting that was called by a number of Methodist churches, there were 60 people that had gathered. So not a real big number, but 60 people. And so she went to that prayer meeting, and she challenged that group that night. She said, you need to start praying for revival. And out of that group of 60, there was 30 that responded and said, yes, we're, we're going to do that. And they started to pray for revival. Well, the very next day, 22, 21 people committed their lives to Jesus Christ. Well, that kind of got them a little bit stirred up, so they had another prayer meeting. This time, it was an all-day prayer meeting. They kept the church open, and people came all day. There was hundreds of people that came to pray. And this time, the next day, over 400 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. And on and on it snowballed until there was thousands of people that responded to the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. And it tells us that as she returned to New York, that revivals broke out there, and they say that this contributed to revivals in England and Ireland and South Africa. And all because, really, of a random travel delay that God would use to draw many people to faith in Jesus Christ. So while we're in a season of uncertainty, there's hardship, sickness, all these restrictions. Many churches in Canada are not able to meet together. We're very thankful that we're still able to meet together here in Alberta. But there's a, there was a cry. There's a cry out there that we need a move of God. We need to see a moving of the Holy Spirit, just like happened in the city of Hamilton after they went through their cholera epidemic. So this is something that I'm looking for. I'm hoping for that. Something I'm praying for. Something I think that would be, this would be a good thing to follow this COVID time. However, that's not going to come without us being stirred inside ourselves to start crying out to God during this time, just like the people did there. They were crying out to God. They recognized, you know what, the church isn't where it should be. And they started crying out for God during this time. And then as they went through that difficult time, right after God began to move. Second Chronicles 7.14 kind of tells us the same thing. It says, God says, sometimes plagues might come. Things might happen that are not welcome in our society. But he says, if my people who are called by my name, Second Chronicles 7.14, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'm going to hear from heaven. I'm going to forgive their sins, restore their land. And that's what we need to see happen as Christians, seeking God, changing our ways, repenting of our sins, praying for our land. And as we do that, maybe we'll see something happen like the city of Hamilton did after they went through this whole time with cholera, that as we get through this time of COVID, that there'd be such a harvest out there that it'll actually just blow our minds of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But that's what I think we need to be praying for. That's what we think we need to be contending for as a church. The other thing that I found interesting as I was reading this article is that the man kind of observed, he said, you know, as I've been reading about revivals, I kind of noticed there's been like four consistent steps that I see in regards to revivals taking place. And as I read those four things, uh, that's what I want to share with you today about four steps uh, towards achieving a revival, or towards experiencing a revival. Four things that we need to be aware of that we might see revival come to our land. And so, you know, here at Bethel Church, you know, we are contending for revival. We recognize that God is up to something. I know it's kind of a time where we need to be patient. We need to endure through this time. You know, we need to work through all these restrictions, all those kinds of things. But something good is coming. COVID will end. It's not going to last forever. It will end. But there's something coming. Something's tagged on at the end. And I believe it could be the greatest time in history to be a Christian as we see God move throughout this nation of Canada, from sea to sea, from shore to shore. That's what I'm believing for. 
first step observed in revivals that took place in history, the author said, is that holy discontent begins to arise in God's people. And if we want to see a revival, then that's where we need to begin. A holy discontent needs to start to arise. And that's where people become dissatisfied with the spiritual condition that they see in the church, that they see in society, that they see in themselves. I think one of the things that COVID has really shown Canadians is that, you know what? People don't really care about the church too much. Not really important. They don't think it's important. Most of our nation has shut down the church. It's only Alberta that's given us a doorway to stay open at this time. But you know what we're finding? What? The Canadians, they don't care. But that we're not having as big of an impact as the, what we thought we were on Canadian society. And, and so this dissatisfaction needs to grow within us and rise up within us that we might pray that things are not where they should be in our society and that we start to hunger and thirst after the things of God and that we would look to ourselves. You know, so often it's so easy to look at everybody else and, you know, put the blame on this person, that person, this head or that person's head or this event that took place or that event that took place. And what when you come to that place of true discontentment, spiritual discontentment, it needs to start here in ourselves that we look inward to ourselves. And I know that's the opposite of what others like to do. Lots of times we you know, jump on the bandwagon and we criticize and all call those kinds of things. But if you're going to have a holy discontent, it's like saying to God, Lord, start it in me. Lord, I realize that this revival needs to start with me. I can't solve everybody else's problems, but I can solve my own problems and start working on my own problems and cry out to you. And of course, usually this discontent does lead to action. It leads to prayer, where we're crying out to God, where we're crying out for ourselves and for our communities that God would indeed move. And that's what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face. That's what we need to do. I really believe this is a serious time where we need to humble ourselves. Where we really get that focus to be on ourselves and not about everybody else or pointing the fingers at everybody else. But, you know, all those fingers that point back, you know, that's saying. But we need to get down to that place of prayer, consecration. Just like we see in Psalm 139, 23, it says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. So it's really getting down to a personal level with God and giving God permission personally to say, God, deal with the things that are inside of me. Revivals are often foreshadowed by holy discontent among Christians. It might start with one, but there will always be others that will join in. New passion and prayer, lifestyle begins to arise and that can spark something in others that causes others to say, hey, I want that too. May we be those individuals. May we be those individuals that say, you know, there's a holy discontent. I'm not, I'm not putting up with it no more. I'm going to start to seek the face of God and believe God to change our nation and to change our world. That's where it begins. 
And I, and I would pray that you would also join in with that, that a holy discontent is rising within you. And there's a reason for it, because God wants to do something big. That's why it's there in your heart. If you're sensing a discontent of, of where we're going as churches today, that comes from God. And he's wanting to stir something up and bring something big. But we need to pray. So that second step observed in revivals of past is a time of preparation. This is seen through confession of sin, repentance of sin, results in a change of heart, a change of lifestyle, a change of direction, a place where we get that we don't tolerate sin anymore. We begin to deal with sin and stop making excuses for sin, and we get serious about our faith in God. Again, it's just doing what the Scripture tells us to do here. Second Chronicles 7.14, if we're called by his name, you're going to humble yourself, you're going to pray, you're going to seek his faith, and you're going to turn from your wicked ways. You're going to repent of your sins. You're going to stop making those excuses and just say, you know what, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. There needs to be a seriousness in our preparation and in our commitment. We really need, must get that place where we really want revival and that we're willing to say, Lord, start it in me. Here I am, use me. Don't be waiting for everybody else to jump on board. We need to press in for ourselves, humbling ourselves, dealing with issues of our pride, praying, seeking God, changing our ways, repenting, of our sins. Psalm 139 again, verses 23, but adding 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along that path of everlasting life. Preparation starts with us as individuals. Starts by looking at ourselves. Search me, God. It's giving God permission to say, maybe some way, somehow, maybe I've been contributing to what's been happening in the church, that the church isn't being effective as it really should be. Maybe there's something I'm not doing, and we start to take that inward focus and look at ourselves. We start to humble ourselves, and we get rid of the pride, and we begin to repent of our sins, and we begin to change our ways, and that's what preparation involves, really a looking in at ourselves, asking God to move within our lives. It's taking steps to get the fire back, to deal with the excuses, right? Humbling ourselves. It's about the kingdom. It's getting back to a kingdom mindset, God's kingdom. That's the kind of preparation that leads to personal and then corporate revival. Then thirdly, in revivals of past and present, there's the step of contending. That is defined as being persistent, dedicated, pressing in with prayer, being willing to sacrifice whatever may be needed that one might accomplish their goal. Might require some things to lay aside. May require some things that we need to sacrifice, like our time, our work, our pleasure. See, revival needs to become something that we really, really want, and it's accomplished by making time and seeking the God of revival. On our Sunday night prayer meetings, we've been really, you know, asking God to move. We've been really asking God to, you know, speak to us. And you know what? We're finding he is. And we're finding that people even that bring their kids, God's speaking to the kids too. And we'll be praying again tonight at 6.30 if you want to join us. 
But effort is required if we want revival. And it must come from our hearts. Not because, you know, the pastor said so. Not because we're feeling guilty or not because someone else is persuading us. There needs to be that willingness on our own selves and a seriousness that we want more of God. Psalm 51, 10 to 12 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And then down to the uh, verse 17, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. You have to contend for revival. You have to strive for it, fight for it. Like you're in a, a competition and second place is not good enough. Failure is not an option. People who experience revival, they say, are contenders. They press through disappointments. They press through failures, offenses, and trials, and setbacks, and press on seeking the Lord of revival. We need to be a people that are seeking to be led by the Holy Spirit, who love the moving of the Holy Spirit, who welcome the move of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to just come to church and sing a couple songs, hear a message, and leave. That's why a lot of people out there, they could care less about the church. What do you need the church for? Well, when the church starts encountering the Holy Spirit and we start being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and open up to the Holy Spirit, guess what? That's going to draw some people because that's what we need to do. We really do. A Sunday morning is not enough, nor attending a prayer meeting. Good to do. <coughs> Excuse me. We need to do. They're important, but we need more. It needs to become a lifestyle. It needs to become something that you pray every day, that you set aside time every day to seek the Lord, cry out to him. It needs to become a lifestyle, like you're training for a marathon. It's time to get in shape spiritually for what God wants to do. It's time to contend. And I really think that, and on these four steps, I think this is where we're at. We're to be contending. We're in a, a, a time where we need to contend for revival, that even in the midst of all these restrictions and all these kinds of things, to not give up hope, but to really press in and really pray, God, I know you're doing something. There's something big that's coming. I can't see it yet, but I'm feeling a stirring inside of me that I'm to pray, that I'm going to cry out for this. And that's where we're at. We need to be contending right now to revive us, to revive our area, to revive our church, to revive our province, revive our nation, and to continue to keep seeking that until the answer comes. And then lastly, in revivals of past, there's always the emergence of a remnant, a group of people, sometimes and usually small to start with, that will rise to the occasion of revival. Normally, it is not everyone who's willing to press in and contend for revival, but only a portion or a group. Just like in this story in Hamilton. You'll remember that there were 60 people that were there in that prayer meeting. All 60 people got to hear this lady, hear the message that stirred their hearts, but we see that only 30 of the 60 responded. And as they responded, things began to happen. But you know, that, that happens throughout Scripture as well. When Even when Jesus rose from the grave, you'll see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, it says that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. 
at one time, plus all the other appearances of Christ after his resurrection. But there was one occasion as 500 of his followers got to see him and his resurrected body. But as you read the scriptures and go a little bit further, where Jesus is telling them, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait. I want you to wait until a promise happens. And as you read about that, it tells us in Acts 1.15 that about 120 believers were together in one place. What happened to the 500? What happened to them? So often there's a remnant that is really seeking God, that really wants to see a move of God. And if we're going to wait for everyone else to get on board for revival, you know what? It'll never happen. Revival happens when those who will arise and will pursue the Lord of revival. Normally, it tells us that there are people who hold to holy patterns and spiritual disciplines of life. Those, they are people that usually continue to seek the Lord and not give up. And they're the ones that often God moves upon and responds to. I think of the scripture of Galatians 6, verse 9, it says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We'll reap our harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You know, our idea of pressing in for revival is come to a service and pray for revival or come to a prayer meeting and pray for revival and expect it to happen the next day. Often it can sometimes take years of people seeking the Lord and crying out. For some people, it was a lifetime that they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they sought and they sought before they saw something take place. Well, we need to press in. We need to contend. We need to continue uh, to live the life and stay faithful to, to our commitment for more of God that we might reach a harvest. Because friends, those who give up will not reach the harvest. They'll miss the harvest. And I don't know about you, but that scares me to think that I can get so preoccupied about other things. I give up my passion to see God move. And then as he does move, I'm so far gone, I miss it all. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person in the church that says, this is what I've been waiting for all along. This is the answer to my prayers. And I want to thank you as the people of this church that you, you've hung in there. You've been proved faithful. You, you've continued to press in for more. I want to tell you, a harvest will come. And you might say, well, is that just you saying that, Pastor? No, that's what the Bible says. You don't have to worry what I'm saying. Worry what the Bible says. That's why I want to quote the Bible. It's not about what I'm saying. It's about what he's saying. And he says you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. So in revival, there's always an emergence of a remnant that's going to rise up to contend for revival. And let me tell you, I want to be a part of that remnant. And I know that you are there here today and those that are joining us online, you're saying, me too, pastor. Me too. I want to be a part of that remnant to see God do something wonderful. So as we conclude, I realize, you know, we're going through some tough and inconvenient times. But as you look throughout our history, our world has gone through far worse things, far greater numbers of deaths, far greater hardships than what we are going through right now. That's not to make light of what we're going through, because I know it's difficult on all of us. And for those that have lost loved ones, it's been a very terrible time. For those that have lost their business, those that, due to depression, that have committed suicide, it's, it's not been good been very, very hard. 
Yet out of the most difficult times in history, there's often been a sovereign move of God where God responds to praying people and then begins to encounter people Even people that had no faith will suddenly have faith. They'll have a divine encounter with God and they'll begin to commit their lives to God and choose to follow God. And they'll start coming to the churches, looking to the church to say, hey, what's going on? And let me tell you, the church better be ready. It better be ready to receive those people who are going to be very passionate, possibly even more passionate than what we are for for faith in God. And for us with faith, what does a revival do? It gives you a fresh touch. Kind of gets you fired up all again. Fans into flame. Fires that are in us, they just need to be fanned into flame again. The Bible says you can do that yourself. You, the Bible says fan into flame. It says you to do it. You're not telling God to do it. You're saying you do it. You take some action to do that. I want to see our church and our world transform. I want to see people come to faith in Christ and personally encounter him. I want to see people get healed from their diseases. I want to see people set free from their oppressions. I want to see this COVID eradicated and gone forever. You know what? It can happen when we do our part. You remember last week I told you the the world is really looking to the church saying, well, if you guys really believe all that stuff, then you better start praying. And you know what? The world is right. Church, you better start praying. You better start responding and start crying out to God with a holy discontent, dealing with our own issues, our own personal issues, preparing ourselves with repentance, confession of our sins, fresh commitment to God, contending for our faith, contending for a revival to change our world and to rise up as a remnant that's wanting more of God, for God to move upon our land. I believe we're in a moment of time, even with all this COVID and all this craziness that is happening, it will come to an end. And as it does, I believe we're going to see a harvest. I believe God's doing things in, you know, behind the scenes that you know, we're not seeing right now. At times, we get a little glimpse of what he's doing. But I think he's doing far greater things than what we realize It's just that right now we're not able to gather in large numbers to actually see what's going on. But once we get through this, we're going to start seeing some harvest that has taken place during this time. And that God is getting ready, I believe, to do something big. I'm believing for the biggest revival that this nation has ever seen because most revivals have not really been from coast to coast. And what we're believing for is going to be coast to coast, from sea to sea, shore to shore, from the north to the south, from the east to the west. I remember when I had the opportunity being driving across Canada many times and visiting different uh, parts of Canada when I was up in the far Arctic, above the Arctic Circle. One of the first things I wanted to do was get down where the ocean was and just put my hands in the water there and just to pray a prayer. God, I just pray for revival that would come up to this, and from the East Coast to the Great Lakes, uh, to the West Coast and the Pacific Ocean, and uh, East to West, North to South. God, come move upon this nation. That's what I'm believing for. Now, I know in the natural, it doesn't look like that's going to take place. 
We can look in our churches. You know, most people are at home. Most people are watching online. Some have just stopped that altogether. It tells us, they're telling us today, you know what, you need to expect 30% of people are not going to return to the church. That the churches in Canada are going to find that there'll be a 30% reduction in all their churches. Oh, that's a nice thing to be saying, isn't it? But I'm saying, well, maybe that will take place. But in its place will be another group of people that have gotten saved during this time. They're going to come into the church and bring excitement and fresh fire and fresh zeal that will more than make up for what people have left. Amen? That's what I'm believing for. I'm believing for that. I I can tell you that in my spirit, that's what I'm sensing. I'm having trouble, though. My eyes are telling me different things, reading things. Sometimes they tell me different things, but my spirit is saying, hang in there. Something big is on its way. Something big is on its way. And I hope that you will join me to, to believe for that, to believe for something big. I was reminded as I was doing this message of a vision that I had where I was driving back out of town and I, I came to where extra food was uh, on the west side of our town. And I remember in that dream that I, I saw this tidal wave coming. I'm thinking, like, a tidal wave? How can you have a tidal wave? This is, we're in land. This is Alberta. But I saw a tidal wave coming. And I'm saying, I need to get out of here. And, you know, I have fast cars. I think, man, maybe I can race this. And then I realized that not only could, as far as the eye could see that way, east, as I looked north, I could still see all that water. As I looked south, I could still see the water. And I realized, everybody's going to get this. This is going to get everybody. And, And I keep praying into that, that God, would you grant that? Would there be a wave that would come? It was so interesting because the next day I, um, I'm on Facebook and I'm leading and I find this book being advertised, The Next Wave. And it talked about revival that had touched uh, the church in Toronto and how the pastor said he believed that this was not the revival to touch the nation, but that there was another wave that would touch the nation from coast to coast. And, and that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm believing for. God has given me visions of that, and and I'm praying that, you know, that wasn't just a figment of my imagination, but that it was real. And I'm going to keep contending for it. I'm going to be one of those crazy people that's going to believe that God's going to do something big instead of something small. That instead of being a subtraction, there's going to be an addition and a multiplication of what God is going to do. I'm believing for a momentum to rise up within the church and, and that people start turning back to the Lord, and that it'll go viral. And when you think of today and all of the uh, internet stuff today, you want to talk about things going viral back in those days. All you had there was a newspaper and word of mouth. Today we got the internet. It can go crazy of how God is going to do. So that's what I'm praying for. That's what I believe that God wants me to share with you today, which in a normal sense might seem like, that's kind of crazy there, Pastor. Like, uh, church is pretty empty here this morning, and uh, most people aren't even gathering in churches, and you're talking that, yeah, a revival's going to take place. Yeah. Because, you know, in the natural, don't always be looking what you see in the natural. It's good to do that. It's a must. You don't want to be, you know, so 
heavenly minded that you know earthly good, right? We wanted that, but also you need to have obey what's in here. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he saying to you? That's something we need to be responding to. And maybe you're watching us online today, or maybe you're here in our church today, and you're kind of saying, you know, Pastor, I'm not really sure if I understand everything you're talking about with Rob, but I sense something inside of me. There's something stirring inside of me. What is that? Well, that's the Holy Spirit wanting to connect with you, wanting to touch you. And you know what? You could be that person that maybe would come into this church and be the spark that this church needs. Because sometimes it's just one person. Well, how do you get right with God? Well, you start by confessing your sins. You start by looking to God. You know, a little prayer like this, dear Jesus, uh, I do believe in you. I sense that you are stirring my heart today. I welcome you to come into my life today. I welcome you to come in and change my ways. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and you'll help me to walk in your ways from this day forward. Just a simple little prayer like that. But you know what? I believe there's some people that are watching online that are out there that we haven't even met yet, that God is going to stir up so powerfully and so strongly. They're going to come running to the church, and we as a church better be ready. We better be ready to run with them because I really believe that God is going to touch our nation. Once again, there's going to be revival to touch our nation. Would you contend with me for that? Would you continue to pray with me for that, to not you know, get caught up with all that's happening right now, but to believe, God, you're up to something big. Something good is on its way. 